0: Vi gör förnyarna helt ideellt och vill du som lyssnare vara med och möjliggöra vårt arbete så kan du du donera valfri summa direkt i appen. Tack på förhand. Hi and welcome to fornyarna intervjuar, what you can translate as the interviewing innovators. These conversations are a supplement to me and Anna Brantens ordinary podcast Förnyarna that we do in Swedish once a week. Oh, things. Many of us will easily confess we have way too many of them, and even so we are longing for more. We love them and we hate them. We follow gurus that teach us to keep the things that spark joy, and the rest we throw away and we feel lighter by it. And so the cycle continues. In this episode I will meet sustainable fashion, researcher, educator and writer Christine Harper, and we will talk about what Christine calls, and also writes books about, sustainable aesthetics. An anti-trend. Is there a way to design and buy products, clothes, everyday objects, that can last a lifetime, both in how we choose materials, but also how we define and look at the beauty of it? How we sustain it? Christine is from Denmark, but now lives in Bali. The internet connection is not the best out there in the jungle, so bear with us and the sound quality in this episode. And after having this conversation with Christine, I noticed a shift in my consciousness towards things around me. How did the cup in my hand feel? The weight of it? The uneven edges of the handicraft? What was the details of the material and the patterns of the colors? Great design comes alive and sticks with you, hopefully for a long time. Hi Christine, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today.
1: Hi, Isabella, I'm also really, really happy to be here today. It, uh, it's really lovely to talk to you.
0: There are so many things to talk about around this subject, but I would like to start with sustainability. It's such a trendy, but also more and more misused word, in my opinion. But uh, what does it mean to you?
1: Um, yeah, I totally agree when you say the word sustainability. It means so many things and it's used so much. Um, And sometimes when words are used that much, they kind of lose their meaning and you kind of forget, like, what does it even mean to use this word? It becomes almost just a fashionable word to use. But when I work with it, and especially the way I'm working with it more and more, I'm actually working a lot with sustainable lifestyles uh, and trying to kind of determine what that means. And I've actually come down to a very, very narrow description of that. And it's basically surrounding about uh, around or revolving around like um, how can you sustain your lifestyle? How can you justify it and maintain it? So it's very much about like being able to justify what you do and sustain as in how can you maintain it. Um, but the justifiable thing has become really important when I'm writing about it at the moment. So that could, for example, also be like How can you justify buying something that you know is made in a sweatshop that takes advantage of workers? If you know this, how can you justify that? And if you can't really justify that in your mind or your stomach or whatever, how it feels, then it's not really sustainable. And as a designer, how can you... For example, how can you uh, justify designing something that is really, really pollutive or really takes advantage of also maybe workers and sweatshops or it's really, really hard to uh, find materials for? How can you justify that? And if you can't really justify that, well, then it's not really sustainable. So in that way, and also like how can you sustain like a lifestyle, for example, that is dependent on like a and buying new things all the time in order for you to feel good. How can you sustain a lifestyle like that? How can you maintain that? And if you can't really do that, if it's not possible because you are generating a lot of waste or because maybe it's too expensive for you, well, then it's not really a sustainable lifestyle. So I'm really trying to to narrow it down to these kind of words, like sustaining Mm -hmm. as in maintaining and sustaining as in justifying what mm-hmm. you do and what you create because right now I'm also really working a lot with both sustainable design, but also sustainable mm-hmm. consumption mm-hmm. And, and lifestyles. I don't know if yeah. that makes sense.
0: <laughs> no, I, I think it makes total sense and I really, I'm really liking it, but I, I'm, uh, what I, it com, comes back to when hearing that is um, maybe that people need to take time or we all have to take time to uh, decide our values.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: And maybe learn more about it because I think a lot of us just maybe go through life not thinking about the values. I mean, of course, everyone, if you ask everyone, they would say, Oh, no, of course, I don't want to buy something from a sweatshop.
1: Yeah. But you know,
0: like if you ask a kid, How should you be to your peers? Everyone knows, I shouldn't say bad words and I shouldn't Mm -hmm. hit them. But Mm -hmm. they still do. You know, we still go to yeah the big, fast fashion chains and buy stuff. So we need to inform ourselves more and maybe really m- make out what our values are and how hard we should be to sustain them, I guess.
1: Yeah, and but I mean, it, it's also, and that's of course like also like maybe a big burden sometimes to put on like a common consumer, because also you don't always really know where things are made. And sustainability, and when we talk about sustainable design, it tends to often be like really expensive things. Um, So that can also be a problem, of course, but I think like, yeah, I think it it, it does come down to understanding a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, when you do go and buy that really, really cheap new dress for, I don't know, less than two uh, things of egg or uh, two cafe lattes, I mean, that is not really possible without somebody hurting in that value chain it's just not possible otherwise so sometimes it's just common sense to be honest we know even if we're not really that like informed about sustainable fashion and all these different kinds of things behind that that mechanism but just using your common sense sometimes you you know that that that's not really possible But of course, it's also like a matter of uh, designers taking responsibility and maybe especially manufacturers and big companies taking responsibility for it. Um, And and just, you know, to be honest, I mean, it's not impossible to make cheap things that are sustainable. It's just it it is possible to make things that are not costing a fortune and still are sustainable, Uh, maybe not as cheap as what we're seeing right now, but something that's still very affordable and is sustainable, both in the sense that it's made of materials that are sustainable and not super polluted, and also in the sense that it's like in the human way sustainable. It's not like, you know, compromising uh, human rights, uh, which I think, and also animal rights. It's a different discussion too, but it is actually possible if consumers are willing to pay a little bit more and designers and companies are willing to, you know, go down that road, it's it's actually not that impossible.
0: And also a part of the problem is the owners and the, the shareholders taking too much money instead of putting it down the chain.
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, it's super complex. But like, yeah. uh, we just have to also remember that, like, if we're if we are looking at ourselves as consumers, it's not a word I'm a big fan of. But Often in our society, people today are described as consumers. We consume stuff. We consume things and food and Netflix and whatever. We're constantly consuming things. And looking at ourselves as consumers can be something that makes us nauseous, or we could look at it as something that gives us quite a lot of power, actually, because it all comes down to supply and demand, actually. So if we all of a sudden don't really want to buy those really cheap, badly made products, well, then they are not really going to be made anymore in that big volume. So we do have a lot of power as consumers. So sometimes instead of feeling disgusted by that word and feeling like, oh, you know, we should look at it differently and only invest in really good things, and just also remembering that being a consumer gives us a lot of power can be quite, I don't know, empowering, I feel. It's, It's a nice feeling. So that you do have power when you go out and consume or maybe choose not to consume something.
0: I totally agree. It's also good to switch the idea around, like glass half full or half empty. I mean, the power is in the consumer. Many, like you said, focus on the materials when it comes to sustainability. But you Mm -hmm. talk well about the aesthetics. I mean, hence your book on aesthetics, sustainability. (laughs) But uh, can you tell me more about this, about this idea?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I I was I've also been very occupied with uh, working with materials and certifications and these kinds of things, which I find super important. But mm-hmm. there was always uh, I always felt like that there was something missing in that discussion, and um, it's some something that I also feel like a lot of designing as designers, sorry, are becoming increasingly aware of. But aesthetics is basically you know the expressional durability when you talk about. Aesthetic sustainability. So, how does a product look? How does it feel um, to touch? Uh, how uh, does it age? Um, what does it look like after a couple of years? Does it still look okay? These kinds of things that I feel like are elements that are really important when we talk about the durability of a of an object. Mm-hmm. Unless products nourish us, which is a word I often use in relation to this, nourish us aesthetically. simply fill us up aesthetically. We are just less inclined to keep them or take care of them. So actually thinking about that dimension as a designer is, is, I think, very, very important if you, at least, if you're planning to design something sustainable, something that should last for a long time, something that people would want to repair, something that people would want to keep in their lives, maybe for... Many, many years, maybe even for decades, maybe passed on. And, of course, also something that you could then justify, again that word, justify taking more money for I mean, simply put, Mm -hmm. if people want to invest in in an object because it's that beautiful and you can see that it's made of materials that will age beautifully, then I think they're also willing to invest in it as in spend more money on it. People understand that in general, I think consumers do. So aesthetic sustainability is uh, is about the aesthetic qualities of a product. Um, How do they feel? It can also very well be in relation to clothes. I've uh, worked for many, many years with sustainable fashion in Copenhagen, where I was teaching students in sustainable fashion. And we were talking a lot about the aesthetic qualities of clothes. And that is not absolutely not only what they look like, but also what do they feel to, to wear what is the mm. fit like? Is it flexible? Does it make you feel good? Does it make you look good, that fit? What's the material like when you put it on? Does it become like a second skin? Does it age well? Does it feel better when you've used it for a while? Does it look better? How, mm. how can you incorporate these qualities in a product in order to make it more durable and hence more sustainable? Mm. Um, so I, I find aesthetics actually a crucial dimension Especially also when you work with, which I normally focus the most on in my research, on having people reduce their consumption. If you want people to reduce their consumption, you need to make them invest in better things uh, that are more aesthetically durable. Uh, And and then aesthetics just becomes such an important dimension for a designer. And uh, to strategically work with that in the design process can be very, very powerful
0: yeah it's also very hard thing to do it's a little bit like what's the extra (laughs) magic but you still need to think about it but uh i'm also thinking that the life cycles are going so fast i mean Uh i i heard somewhere that we get more impressions and things we're seeing more in six months that we formerly did in a lifetime yeah so how would we know what we like you um,
1: to... Yeah, I know what you mean. And actually, I i, I mean, I totally agree. I've been working in, in my first book, I work with a, with an aesthetic strategy. And I'm actually primarily in that book, I'm focusing on designing things that are super long lived. Mm-hmm. And I have two, two different kind of ways to do that. Either you design something that's, you know, very minimalistic, very kind of neutral, almost in its expression, so that You can easily use it in combination with a lot of other things, and you know it's never kind of offensive, so it's easy to mix with other things, and the materials and colors are very easy to like because they're not loud, Mm -hmm. and they're not, you know, that kind of stuff. But I also have a different strategy in the book, and that is actually designing something that's really loud, something that's super challenging, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I find that also a way to design something that has a long life. Because sometimes we also need items like that, that we need to return to again and again, to touch them again, to feel how they are again, to wear, to, you know, work with them and find out how they can challenge us more and, and investigate them. Um, so, but those are both ways of designing things that ha- have like a super long life. But in, mm-hmm. my, in my new book that I'm more or less finished with right now, I'm working with also like products that are super short-lived. Because I've, I've actually like come to realize that even though, of course, designing something really, really long-lived is super sustainable and it's a good way to working with sustainable design and if you can convince consumers to invest in things that they keep for decades or at least for many years, that's a great way to work with sustainable design. But it's just not realistic, maybe also because of what you're saying. You Mm -hmm. you need, I think as human beings, we need also those like kind of fleeting things in our lives. Also, if we talk about clothes, it is just a way of communicating. So we need maybe sometimes, you know, those little crazy things, those little weird accessories to communicate something. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, those things are very much the things that are very unsustainable. But why do they need to be like that? So in my new book I'm working with also super short-lived uh, strategies uh, designing trend-based I mean in the most you know fashion trend meaning of this word trend-based objects that are meant to be super short-lived maybe we only mm. want to wear them once or twice and then afterwards we can basically just throw them in the soil because they're made of biodegradable materials mm. so they just deteriorate Or maybe even once we've worn them for a few times, they just start deteriorating. Mm. They start, you know, falling to pieces. And I think that would be a very, very interesting and definitely also very possible way to design trend-based things and allow for people to have, you know, that option of also wearing things that are just meant to be short-lived and, you know, not feeling bad about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, because I think right now, everybody's a bit like, oh, no one wants to be seen, you know, walking into that super trend-based store, buying those fun accessories. But people still do. Uh, so why not, instead of saying, you cannot do this, why not say, okay, so you do this, how can we make it sustainable? I think sometimes yeah. turning it around like that is just, you know, more fair it's it's more fair simply because it's what happens instead of saying you cannot do that let's find out how we can make it sustainable that should be an interesting design task i think for a sustainable designer or sustainable design company Uh, and with all the materials that are existing at the moment it's so possible and even affordable so I don't, don't really. yeah
0: and it would be a little bit more living on the edge as well because you yeah. feel you have to like grasp the moment before they deteriorate or exactly before it's out or whatever yeah. that you, like, yes
1: or maybe yeah, an object that, that changes color and then after it's done yeah. that which is possible too then yeah. it deteriorates because sometimes unfortunately as well i feel like sustainability has like kind of like a little bit kind of boring connotations as well. Mm -hmm. It becomes something very serious Mm -hmm. and something, you know, like almost like you have to wear the same kind of black kimono, like every Mm -hmm. single day of the year kind of thing. And it becomes very serious and very dark and very gloomy. Mm -hmm. And I think we don't, we need it to be a little bit more fun as well. And to people, for people still to be able to express themselves Mm -hmm. in other, in order for the masses to, to tap into it. And, And that's what's needed. There's no it's, mm-hmm. it's not going to do anything if there's like a small elite of super aware, sustainable people with a lot of money that buy these long lasting garments or furnitures or whatever. It's not really going to make a difference. We need, you know, the masses of consumers too, to be interested in being sustainable. And for that to happen, also teenagers, you know, and yeah. for that to happen, I think it needs to just be a little bit more fun, to be honest.
0: Yeah, but I'm also thinking that people need to be more aware of like swapping clothes or borrowing, oh, or you know, so so you can absolutely. you know you own a couple of things, but you can yes. Yes. you can swap it and you can you can play it up with with yes. someone else's, and maybe that would be. I mean, you're seeing more and more stores that have like secondhand parts or even rentals or stuff Definitely. like that. So you can you feel new, but you can uh, you know go crazy on yeah. some areas.
1: I totally agree with that. I think that we need a lot more of that. I mean, luckily, there are already starting to be a lot of like kind of clothes libraries. But yeah. I think the big obstacle there is still like the, the, you know, kind of like the culture around it. It's mm-hmm. still a bit like, ah, uh, you feel like you have to own your clothes. But why is that? It's, it's, it's in a way, it's like really strange because it doesn't feel like we are that we're not really that reluctant to just throwing it away. So why is it so important for us to own it? I think we're kind of a bit stuck there sometimes, you know. Yeah. You just need like to see, hmm. Actually, this is actually pretty cool. You know, you can go down and and change, swap whatever for something else, which would really be an amazing way to have some of those more long lasting products. Yeah. Um, also, because at the moment, to be honest, it's I'm I'm considering a design it a design error when you design something. That is meant to last a very short time, which things in trend stores are, and you design it out of materials that could last for more or less ever. I mean, to be honest, that is a design error. How can, how is it even possible? You know what I mean? It's a, it's a weird I, approach that we have just come to accept as something normal. Yeah. It's a scary world, isn't it? As well, where it's actually more apparently more uh, lucrative for companies to just get at. Huge load of stuff made and then throw it away afterwards, and then you know, having to order uh, later on some popular items. Apparently, yeah. it's more lucrative, and that should also make you consider where <laughs> that this chain is just broken. Someone is suffering in this yeah. equation, it just cannot work otherwise, you know. No,
0: totally, totally, yeah. yeah. But it's also interesting with the second hand thing that you said, if you ask people to. Do you like staying over at the hotel? And everyone says like I love the hotel sheets, you know. Yeah. But then you ask people, would you ever buy sheets in a secondhand store? And they would say, like, no, never. I, I hate That's it. Very interesting. So you're right, or whatever. Yeah. But you you don't mind sleeping in a hotel. I mean, you can buy these sheets secondhand, and you can have them washed somewhere the same way as in a hotel, yeah. right? Yeah. So. I, it's, it's just in our head a lot of things
1: yeah no that's a good point yeah that's very strange so, it, so we do get used to like just thinking in certain ways and, and sometimes you just need to be pulled out of it right and look at it from a different perspective yeah the anti-trend book tell me more actually I've written a lot about like, a, like resilient design in there the word resilience is something I'm working on a lot like what does resilience mm-hmm. mean because resilience is, is not necessarily always something that's really long-lived or really kind of sturdy. It can also be something very flexible and bendable and something really brief. Sometimes that's the most resilient thing as well. So that's a word mm-hmm. I've worked with a lot, but I've worked a lot as well with kind of like determining the sustainable lifestyle because I feel like that the biggest obstacle right now and in, in, in that whole Description as well comes a lot about values and things that you were also talking about earlier. Um, uh, that it comes down to our values because I feel like the biggest obstacle is uh, is like the the cultural consensus on status and values. Uh, a lot of sustainable solutions are already here. Uh, sustainable design solutions and materials are already here, but people somehow people are not ready for them. I was speaking uh, as a part of this book. I've also spoken to a lot of inspiring people here in Indonesia. I mean, yeah, I'm here in Bali right now. And uh, mm-hmm. one of um, the people I spoke to is a, a guy called Lim Masulin, who's a designer working with weaving and working with weaving from, it's a traditional uh, technique in, in Indonesia, but he's working with weaving from a lot of different new innovative materials and a lot of waste materials He's, for example, invented a way you can weave from plastic bottles, you can melt them down and then you can weave and you can make, you know, houses from it and everything from it. And I was asking him, could you also use, you know, textile waste? Because there's so much textile waste Mm -hmm. and we feel like really good about ourselves when we go and deliver, you know, bags and bags of old clothes and we get vouchers but a lot of this stuff is just—it's just like a good storytelling, and all that textile waste. There's no use for it, so it would be really great to find ways to use this. And he said I could easily use textile waste, mm. but people are not ready for it. You know, this is—he mm. said the biggest obstacle here is our minds and our cultures. We're not ready for it, so it, it often comes down to status symbols and values and what we how we look at things no you can't use that as a material no that's you know dirty because it's waste we it's it comes a lot I feel down to our mindset and our values that is often interlinked with whatever is a status symbol in our culture luckily Mm -hmm. it seems to be changing I feel quite a bit also maybe even kicked in the bum a bit about from this pandemic right now it feels like that there are some kind of, there's some kind of consensus that things need to change. And that's often interesting when that happens. Um, we've seen that earlier happening as well when there was a big financial crisis in like 2008 around there. A lot of, there was a lot of talk about slow living and slow design just after that. And it became like an, a thing that people could agree on more. So I'm really looking forward to seeing if this will probably also even increase the desire for for maybe trying just different things and an openness to more sustainable things made of waste materials, because we really have a lot of waste in our world right now. It feels like we should use that. We have maybe a scarcity of natural resources, but an abundance of waste at the moment.
0: I think that time is a big factor. Yes. People are slowing down now with the pandemic and they have time to think. And it's also going to be a a budget issue because people are going to have less money, I think, or going to think about it Uh more. And with time, I think, comes a little bit more of a creativity and also with budget cuts or like lesser economy. Um, I mean, I really enjoy watching like the late night hosts when they have made their own sign put up behind them instead of mm-hmm. I mean I I would like the graphic designers to get jobs too it's not that but it's just like it's it's some i don't know down to earthness in that side and uh, i'm and i also think like when we have a little bit more of time cuz that's what i'm hearing from like, everyone who's not have anyone who's got really sick mm-hmm. or Died. Of course, mm. that's the worst thing. But everyone, everyone else are so even teenagers are happy with with uh, they can, that they can't choose really that they have to stay yeah. home. They don't. They can't go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, but it's also like oof, a little bit like a, oh my god! I have the time. I can broaden my horizons when I'm thinking. I can see what's really important yeah. to me and all that stuff. I think is going to be. Yeah. Like, A mind opener in another way. I think so. And also going to help us
1: make better decisions. I hope so. And I hope it'll, you know, open our minds a bit more to, you know, the usage of waste, because it still has those connotations a little bit that it's something dirty and it's something not valuable. And we need to really look at waste, the waste created in this consumer spree that we've been in for many years. We need to look at that waste as a good resource, because it is. Again, turning mm-hmm. things around like that would be really helpful. So I think that the big obstacle right now is still that. Um, but I also, I totally agree with you. It's interesting to see. And I could also really imagine, because I think you we're starting to see a lot of signs in that direction that there's going to be a, a bigger need for people to be a little bit self-sufficient. Self, um, so to be able to repair things themselves. And many people are wanting to have like little, you know, vegetable gardens, even you, if you live in a, an apartment, like in your kitchen or on a rooftop. And I think that's a really, it's a, it's a beautiful tendency right now that, because the more you see how slow things grow and the more you see how much time it takes to repair stuff and to master a craft I think that you'll automatically also respect it more. You'll respect more when you buy, you know, vegetables or you buy like a crafty thing because all all of a sudden you felt that time that it takes to make these things, how slow that is. So I think that's a very Mm -hmm. beautiful tendency right now in all the despair. There's some hope, right? Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it is. No, but it also takes care of making stuff out of stuff out of waste. Uh, or, I mean, I just build build a bench out of a old out of an old barn uh-huh. door. And I mean, it was it would have been so much easier to just go to IKEA and bought yeah. a bench. I mean, I, I that would have taken me an hour, and I would have spent maybe less time if you even count my hours in mm-hmm. time. But this was super fun because now I mean I found old messages on the door, and you Very know. Cool. It's nice to have the his- the history of that door even in my house, right? Definitely. But it's just the time again and the cost because something like keeping something old can cost more than putting something new in. And that's not right, right?
1: I mean, it's like it shouldn't be know, that way. I know, I it, know. It is true. It's, it's still, there's just something wrong with that. And it, But it's also interesting when you say time because... I feel like everybody has time to like watch Netflix, right? You know, so it's like, it's also like a funny thing sometimes that we always feel like that we don't have time because I think we do. I mean, most people have time to watch a lot of like television, a lot of, you know, streaming services and this kind of stuff. So yeah, time is just a, it's a, it's a funny factor. And once you kind of check out of that and you, spend that time on making something you feel how how satisfying that is as well but it's definitely a mindset changer isn't it
0: yeah Yeah. it is yeah when you went from Copenhagen to Bali you kind of sold everything almost that you had right and you tried living with less how how has that been tell us a little bit about that journey I mean
1: doing I was really looking forward to because I've been working for so many years with sustainability and with aesthetics and narrowing down your belongings and To be honest, it was really, really difficult. I found it so hard when we had to get rid of. I was, I was actually more attached to those things than I thought, and it was just a very, especially the experience of a lot of things. Like, you know, we could easily sell furniture. That was actually not that hard. But then you have all those other things like vases and plates and pillows and whatnot, toys and. Just kind of like trying to get rid of things in a proper way. Even donating it to a lot of charities was very difficult because there's so much stuff that people don't want anymore. They don't know what to do with it. So I found it like really, really difficult uh, to to actually end up at the end because we got pressured at the end having to, you know, literally throw away quite a thing, quite a few things mm-hmm. because that was just the only way at the end um things that I felt were still useful but but you know we couldn't get rid of it at the end yeah. uh, and I found that that really horrible so that it has taught me to really think twice before buying stuff now because I don't really want to be in that position again because it was so awful so I'm really trying to think when I buy something now of course I don't always manage you know I also you know buy things that I shouldn't have bought, and you know we all do that. But it well, yeah. sometimes I really, sometimes I master it and I stop and I think, how am I going to keep this stuff? And like, if not, it's probably going to be pretty hard to get rid of. So maybe I shouldn't buy it. Um, I'm really trying to to you know control myself now because I found out how awful it was to stand there with lots of stuff. And when you do move away, like we did far away, like you've also tried to do, you know that a point will come when you move again. And we are soon. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm grateful that I've really controlled myself here, because I have. I really Mm -hmm. try to not buy too much. And the stuff I bought was stuff that could fit into the house, and the owners that that have the house here like to take it over, which is perfect, I think. So I'm really, you know, I'm glad that I've tried to control myself a lot here. Because you do just accumulate a lot of things. It's it's weird isn't it, how we are <laughs> as humans.
0: Yeah, I also think that, that that things accumulate a lot of time. I mean, you have to, like you said, repair, take care of uh-huh. them, or clean yes. them, even, or make sure they're in some in in a good place. Uh, so it, I, I felt the same thing when I moved to Bali yeah. that it was so unburdening to just like let go of these things, and it was nice going to bali with like four yeah. bags and yeah we came back with maybe five bags and a and a, and a surfboard yeah, that's but that was it
1: in... that's pretty well done yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: so when it was uh, and we all i mean and now we're coming back and i'm like between my apartment and my cottage yeah. I'm, I'm carrying more stuff than I needed in Bali. I mean, it's also another climate. Yeah. So that makes another sense. I mean, in Definitely. Sweden, you need to
1: pack winter. And also like you, in Denmark as well, like Sweden, you're just at home and not indoors. So you do need to make that super cozy. You know, it's important. It's, it nourishes you aesthetically. If you're surrounded by good things, yeah. I totally understand what you mean. And here in Bali, it's easy not to own a lot because you are outside all the time. Uh, and and you just don't really need a lot of things you don't really need a lot of clothes and actually if you do have a lot of clothes they end up getting really moldy in your closet because of the tropical yeah. climate so I think it's very easy here in such a warm country to own very little and it's definitely different in a, in a different climate I totally agree with that and your home is, is very important uh, when you Move into winter months when you're home a lot and you do need just a cozy place to feel good.
0: But it's also something in feeling new, I think. I mean, moving to Bali was new for us and it was new for you. And just all these new impressions of just going to the supermarket and not really know what to buy for food. That was nourishing for my mind in a way that I may be back home when I think that everything feels just the same. Oh, I want a new pillow or, a new, or I want a new blazer or yeah. whatever, right? You, you want to feel that kind of spark. Yes, yes. So that's something I'm thinking about a lot, how mm. to make something ordinary feel yeah. new.
1: How can you kind of like get challenged again and again, again by like yeah. an object? Because if you can, and if something can like do that for you, then you'll most certainly not need to buy as many other things. I think also like that can be in the flexibility of an object or like a, like a cl- piece of clothing, like, even like small things that like maybe you can turn it or you can change different elements in it, could do the trick mm-hmm. um, instead of having to own more things. I think we do need to feel, you know, newness. And this is why, like I talked about earlier, I got on that track with that kind of super short-lived idea because I, I don't think it's realistic mm-hmm. that, we, that we just, you know, don't. We are like late modern people and we're used to like being yeah, bombarded with the impressions like you were saying as well and also living in a world where you communicate in that way. So you, we communicate to other people in that way too. And we need to tap into that somehow. It's not realistic unless we move into the woods completely. And that's maybe also okay. It's just a matter of making that sustainable. But I think that what you're saying there yeah. is also definitely a way that you, you – somehow you know change things to make an object challenging again and again i feel like sometimes the tactility is very important when we talk about object design Mm -hmm. and i think it's a little bit underestimated sometimes that like you know a difference Mm -hmm. in in materials and tactile experiences can really nourish us a lot Uh, and Mm -hmm. also in a home having different kind of floorings and stuff like that i don't think you should underestimate that we are often very visual but The tactile sense is very strong too.
0: That's somehow what I miss, you know, buying stuff online too. You know, you can't really feel it. You can't really feel the size or the heaviness of it. Sometimes it could be the heaviness of a piece of clothing Mm. or the heaviness of something that you have to carry a vase to put on your table and it's kind of heavy. It feels like, ah, you know feels in your gut in another way yeah like
1: exactly I mean it's not only about like the the feeling of a material you're definitely right about the heaviness I feel that that's a very important factor to or lightness I mean you can't feel that yeah and you can play with that a lot too and and sometimes also like a garment like a like a jacket that feels really heavy it's it's just it feels important right and it can also make you feel like okay now I have to you know do something very important if you put that on Yeah. yeah so don't you have watch. to stand straight exactly carry yes, this yes thing. exactly <laughs> definitely
0: but to summarize a little bit then i mean i i really love the idea that you're talking about of before buying like okay first maybe have more control of your values and really stick to them and be able to sustain mm-hmm. them but when you buy think about it maybe a lot maybe even sleep a night like we say in sweden sleep on it uh, before you're buying but then also think about how does it look now how will it look in two Mm. years in five years uh who made it uh how did it got transported here Mm -hmm. how how can i recycle it so you have this whole train of thought kind of in your mind before doing a um, how does it feel in my hand? How does it make me feel wearing it or having it in my house? Mm-hmm.
1: What else? Yeah, I mean, yes, I mean, those are, of course, like a lot of things to think about. But, like, yeah, I mean, just if you buy like an item that is meant to last for a very long time, like maybe a sofa or something like that, that you don't just mm-hmm. buy to have for a month, I think it's really important to think about how it's going to decay if you, you know. Consider the mm-hmm. mater- and in that sense, the materials are always super important because, I mean, in general, natural materials just decay more beautifully. Uh, but sometimes it can also be, you know, I was actually also here in Bali uh, um, introduced to some of the new designers that work a lot with uh, upcycle plastic, and it was interesting to me mm-hmm. to hear the way they talked about like longevity because they were talking about decay in a very different way that I'm talking about it. Like when I say Mm -hmm. natural materials decay beautifully and chains in a beautiful way and it's okay if they you know carry signs of usage maybe it even increases their value and their beauty but they were looking at it as like if you for example design a beautiful table out of um, recycled plastic which can be very very uh, aesthetically pleasing then, you know, you can easily kind of like repair the surface. You can just clean it off.
0: Melt uh, yeah, Melt it, yeah, down, melt
1: it yeah. down. or even just use sandpaper to, you know, just remove the scratch. And then it's actually back mm-hmm. to the default state. And that's also like a very interesting yeah. way, I think, of, of looking at mm-hmm. decay and removing signs of decay. So mm-hmm. unless you have a product where you can easily move the signs of decay, you need to probably think about, like, if it's a, a product that will age beautifully, which is um, typically, you know, like leather or wood or wool, or, you know, natural materials yeah. like that, that generally sometimes even get more beautiful, well, often actually get more beautiful mm-hmm. uh, when they are used because they just get worn yeah. and get carry traces of usage in a very beautiful way, aesthetically pleasing way. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, I mean, yeah, if if you need to spice up your existence a little bit with something super trendy, uh, I'm hoping that we'll soon see more products that justify that in a sustainable way by, you know, creating things that are short-lived, that decay, uh, that deteriorate, that just disappear after usage. We're seeing it, of course, already now in like kind of like plastic bags that are not plastic and straws and those kind of like single-use items, which, of course, should be also made out of uh, materials that deteriorate afterwards. Why not take it a step further to like trend-based objects as well? I don't see why not. And I think we'll most certainly see that coming very soon. Uh, So, you know, dresses out of milk enzymes or made out of like cassava or whatever, why not? That deteriorates afterwards. I could definitely see that. Like
0: Cinderella. Yes,
1: wouldn't that be beautiful? Red one night. And then yeah, it would yes. be. And then even yeah. you, you it's the soil. Why not?
0: Oh, super interesting. You nourish my thoughts, Christine. I'm so happy to talk to you. And your book, Aesthetic Sustainability, is out yes, now? Yes, it,
1: it's out in Danish... And, and when it's is... coming out in Chinese very soon. I don't think you have any Chinese oh, listeners. Oh, cool. <laughs> It's no. quite funny. So I'm wondering how the Chinese yeah, market will amazing. receive that. That's very interesting to me to see.
0: Maybe we have to do another interview in a while in here when you talk with the Chinese That's market. That's right. <laughs> uh, and when is your book Anti-Trend coming out? Well, it's out? still
1: in an editing phase, so we're probably looking at the end of this year. It's a very slow process, I know this, and okay. also the layout. So I'm I'm thinking probably end of this year, it'll be out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give some links to your blog, The materialist where right. you do awesome thoughts about things that we talked about as well, and the links to the books, and thank you so thank much you. for taking the thank time. Thank you, it was
1: really to nice to talk so to nice. you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me.
0: Have a and great day too. over in Bali. You yeah. <laughs>